please open your Bibles with me this morning, not to the book of Genesis, but to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9. If you are less familiar with your Bibles, Isaiah is a little over halfway through your Bible after the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. We're going to have a bit of a shorter sermon this morning so that we can return to singing at the end of our time in order to continue to celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning we're looking at Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, which Becky did a great job of reading for us earlier this morning. It says this, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. May God bless the preaching of his word again this morning. Folks, with a guest speaker coming in next week to preach God's word to us, this is the last Sunday sermon that I will preach to all of you here in the year 2020. And what a year it has been. 2020 has been filled with all kinds of unexpected challenges and hurdles that we have had to overcome. 2020 has been the year of the COVID-19 pandemic. How many of us, I imagine none of us, last Christmas season would have thought that we would live through a global pandemic in this way. It's been hard. And we have seen throughout this year that a pandemic is not only dangerous physically, but it also affects us relationally, doesn't it? It affects us relationally as it requires us to separate from each other, right? When you're going through a pandemic, the name of the game is separation and space, distance from each other. The word quarantine, which by definition means isolation and distance from others, is no doubt one of the most frequently used words in 2020. Pandemics separate people. Pandemics isolate, and so, so we now have plexiglass barriers between us and the cashier. We drop things off at people's houses, and then we run in the other direction to take a bath and hand sanitizer. 
We social distance. We talk to each other through screens more than ever before. We don't give hugs anymore. We only allow a certain amount of people into a room at a time. Pandemics require distance. Because of this, friends, 2020 has been a dark and difficult year for many of us. 2020 has been a year that has been marked by this this distance and separation that none of us have wanted. And I imagine that it has been difficult for all of us in some way. But even as I say that, I think of how the COVID-19 pandemic is not our greatest issue. The coronavirus is not what causes the the greatest separation and distance in this world. Now, as we have seen in our study throughout the book of Genesis, even greater than than the COVID-19 pandemic, the pandemic of sin is what separates and divides more than anything else. Our sin, our rebellion, our pride separates us from God and from each other. And so church, listen, how grateful we should be this Christmas season that we have a Savior who did not social distance from us. He did not quarantine from us in our sin. No, he came into our broken world in order to save us from the pandemic of sin. And he didn't come into the world with a hazmat suit on. He didn't come with a face shield on or or with gallons of hand sanitizer in order to, to keep himself clean. No, he entered into our world as a vulnerable baby, a child, an infant, And he came not just to give a quick vaccine for the pandemic of sin and then run in the other direction. No, he came to live among us, to be one of us, to bear our burdens for us. Folks, here's the main idea of our message this morning. Jesus was born to save you and to carry your burdens for you. Jesus was born to save you and to carry your burdens for you. How how grateful we should be this Christmas season for what he has done for us. Amen? We have two points to look at this morning. Point number one, Jesus was born to save you from your sin. And point number two, Jesus was born to carry your burdens. Let's look at the first point. Point number one, Jesus was born to save you from your sins. Isaiah chapter 9 is a fairly familiar passage for many of us in the church because many churches read it during the holiday season because of the prophecy that we see in verse 6, which says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is a Christmas verse. This is about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're familiar with this. But oftentimes, people don't know the context that this prophecy is written in. Look at verses 1 to 2. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And, and then, it, then it speaks of the people walking through deep darkness. These verses speak of anguish and contempt and deep darkness. And folks, this is very, very real. Isaiah is writing to the nation of Israel who is in anguish and who's going to go through greater anguish. Chapter 8, which precedes our passage this morning, speaks of the Assyrian invasion and the pain and the humiliation that would come from that. 
There is real suffering here. But you know, the reality of this text extends far beyond the immediate context of this text. I think that it is very safe to say that the the whole world that we live in experiences this anguish and this contempt in some way every day, right? Paul the Apostle says in Romans chapter 8 that the world is groaning under the weight and the pain of sin. This is all of our experience all the time, and it's helpful to remember this morning that we're not alone in this. In fact, this is why Isaiah speaks of the land of Zebulun and Naphtali in verse 1, and then the land of Galilee at the end of verse 1. The the, the significance of these locations is that the land of Galilee, the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali and other tribes were within Galilee, they were all located right in the path, right in the way of invading enemies into the nation of Israel. The region of Galilee was like, in many ways, the the doormat into the nation of Israel. And so when enemies would invade Israel, they would metaphorically wipe their feet all over Zebulun and Naphtali. Kings and armies from other nations would come stomping their way through Zebulun and Naphtali, through the region of Galilee. And so these two tribes were regularly defeated. They, They were beat down. Oftentimes they were the first to be enslaved by their enemies. Friends, Zebulun and Naphtali are a pretty good picture for us at times, aren't they? We are beaten down. Isaiah is writing to people like us this morning. But it's important to notice that the focus here is not just on the struggles situationally or the difficult circumstances. No, the focus is on the spiritual need of these people. When when it speaks, speaks of darkness here. That that is a biblical way of speaking about sin. God God is the God of light. And so those who are dwelling in deep darkness are those that are dwelling within their sinfulness and the consequences for their sins. Those, Those who are not just dealing with hard circumstances, but who are lost because of the sinfulness of their own hearts. They are stumbling through the dark, not just because they forgot to turn the lights on, but because Ephesians chapter 2 says they are dead in their trespasses and sins. Zebulun and Naphtali are fitting pictures for who we are apart from God's grace. Not just because life can be difficult, but because we need a Savior. The the gospel, the good news of Christ is not not just a therapy session for us to make us feel better. The gospel is a salvation story that is written to those who were condemned in their sin and shame, living under the full weight of God's wrath against them. But now listen to to what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah is not just writing of despair and darkness. This isn't all gloom. No, he's he's writing about the one who's broken into our darkness. Isaiah is writing here that there's a time coming when it says in the latter days when, when the people who have walked in darkness will see a great light. And what is that light? It is the baby Jesus. Look at verse 6. For to us a child 
is born to us, a son is given. Isaiah gives this prophecy of a, of a latter day when someone would come to break into the darkness. In the midst of the great darkness, a light will shine, a light of salvation. Listen to John chapter 1 in the New Testament speak about Jesus. John says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but... To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John is speaking of this light of our salvation. And so is Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9. Jesus came to save us from our sins. He came to redeem us from the curse of sin and to give us the right to become, as John says, children of God. And here's the amazing thing. Nothing in Isaiah chapter 9, nothing speaks of us contributing anything to this salvation. In verses 4 to 7, we are not the subject of any of the verbs that we see there. It's entirely God's work, his grace towards us. This is the light of God's free and unmerited favor, the gospel. He breaks into our darkness when we could do nothing about it ourselves. Now listen, where does the New Testament tell us that this light of the gospel first shone? Where did it shine first? Folks, it shines in the region of Galilee, the place where there was so much defeat and discouragement. Listen to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and the story of the angel coming to young Mary to tell her about the baby that was growing in her womb. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. The, the angel was sent to a city of Galilee, an unimpressive, weak, oftentimes defeated place like Gal Galilee. He wasn't sent to Jerusalem. He wasn't sent to the capital. He wasn't sent to the, to the place of power and position. No, he sent to a place that was known for its weakness and its defeat, a place it feels a whole lot like you and me. Friends, Jesus was born to save you. And so listen, it doesn't matter how defeated you feel this morning. It doesn't matter how sinful you have been this week. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how depressed and discouraged you feel at the end of this year. It doesn't matter. Jesus was born into this world as a baby on a divine rescue mission to save you from the weight of your sins. And so church, let's run to Jesus together this Christmas season. Let's run to him. Let's praise him. Let's worship him for not remaining distant from us, for not standing far off. Let's run to him. Let's give him the worship that he deserves, for not, not holding our sins against us, but coming to us, for not condemning us, but having mercy and grace upon us. 
Let's run to him and thank him this Christmas season that he was born into this world to deal with our greatest need, the pandemic of sin. And let's thank him with joy in our hearts for not waiting until you and I cleaned ourselves up to earn our way back to him, which could never have happened. No, he broke into the deep darkness. This is Christmas. This is what we're celebrating. Jesus came to save you from your sins, and he came as a baby. He came into the darkness to rescue and redeem. He did not allow the pandemic of sin to keep him away. Distance was not a matter for him. He entered into the mess as a little baby to save you and me. And that brings us to our second point this morning. Point number two, Jesus was born to carry your burdens. Jesus was born to carry your burdens. Not only did Jesus come to save us from our sins, but he also came to to renew and to restore our lives in this fallen world. He, He didn't just come to offer eternal salvation, but he also came to offer life and peace in the midst of this chaotic and struggling world. Folks, this passage is so beautiful, not just because it speaks of the light of Christ shining into the deep darkness of this world for our salvation, but also because it speaks of how brilliantly bright the light of Christ will be when he comes. It speaks of the victory and the power that are available to us in Christ through the gospel, not just for salvation, but for all of life. And we need this, right? We need his power. We who are so discouraged and beaten down, not not just by sin, but by our circumstances, we, we need hope today, don't we? We need hope as we come to the end of this year. We who are tired from this pandemic and don't know how to keep going under these circumstances and are frustrated by whatever restrictions are around us, we, we need peace, don't we? We who live in a very confusing time culturally and who are trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian and a citizen in America today, we need, we need wisdom from God. We need a king on the throne of David like, like Isaiah speaks of here. We, we are so burdened by life these days. We need strength and comfort from Christ. You know, I had the thought this week that if, that if 2020 could be captured in a Christmas movie... In my opinion, without a doubt, it would be the Home Alone movie, right? 2020 is Kevin McAllister, right? And who are we? We are poor Harry and Marv, the the wet bandits, right? By the end of this year, we're just trying to stay on our feet, but, but 2020 has just wreaked havoc on us. The paint cans have smashed us in the face. Our heads have been scalded by a blowtorch. We've slipped on the ice. We've stepped on the nail. By this point in the year, we've all lost some teeth, and we're just trying to survive to 2021. We're tired. We're discouraged. We're hurting. We're lonely. But church, I love how Isaiah speaks of this child who would be born and who has been born. This is no mere child, friends. 
This child is the one who has come to reverse the course of sin in this world, to to establish a new order here. This child who would be born is the long-awaited Messiah, the very Son of God. His salvation would be perfect. His power is unrivaled. He not only breaks into our darkness and saves us from our sin, he enters into the mess of our lives and he begins to, to restore us to who he originally made us to be. He gives us victory in Christ. He helps us to live the life that he's called us to live. Look at verse 6. It says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and then it describes him. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is so beautiful. These terms that are used to describe this child that would come It's exactly what our souls need as we come to the end of this year. First of all, Isaiah says that the government shall be on his shoulders. And then he says in verse 6 that of the increase of his government, there will be no end. He is coming to rule and to reign. This baby will be king of kings and lord of lords. He will govern this world and our lives with grace and mercy. He will bring order to all of the disorder. His justice will prevail. He will condemn all sin and unrighteousness. And he will commend all that is good and righteous. For those who live in a, in a secular culture and who feel like the governing authorities are, are ruining our lives, whether that be towards the Republicans or the Democrats, there's great comfort for us here this morning because Jesus was born to rule. He was born to reign. And we are not subject to the governing authorities. We are subject to the King of Kings who will reign for all eternity. Next of all, Isaiah says that this child will become a wonderful counselor. That word, wonderful, that speaks of the the beauty, the excellencies of this child, his beauty. John, John Calvin says that Isaiah intends for this word, wonderful, to arouse our attention, to cause us to, to pay close attention, not just to these words that describe him in a generic way, but to, to see them as gifts for our souls. This baby that was born is wonderful. And he is a wonderful counselor. Friends, he knows what we need. He cares for us in our weakness. His truth is best for our souls. And in a year that has been so filled with voices coming from every side and every direction, every voice on social media, every perspective about everything around us, so many opinions, how good to remember that he is the wonderful counselor, that his voice is the only voice that matters. Teenagers, listen this morning. You can go to Jesus with all of your problems. He wants to care for you through your high school situations. He wants to help you to know how to prioritize your life and what to live for and how to love those around you. His ways are best. College students, you don't know what you're supposed to be doing during this time. You've, You've lost direction. You're unsure about the future. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He's a wonderful counselor, better than your guidance counselor. Learn from him. Let him set your priorities. Let him guide your life. He is a wonderful counselor. 
It also says that this child who would be born is mighty God. Mighty God. That's an extraordinary thing for Isaiah to say. Speaking of someone other, it would seem, than Yahweh as mighty God. This would have been akin to blasphemy unless this child laying in a manger was actually God himself. And we know that he was God incarnate, God become man, God in the flesh, God himself laying in a manger, seemingly vulnerable and helpless, but yet Isaiah says, mighty God. What a picture for us this morning. Mighty God. Church, this speaks to his absolute and sovereign control over all things. He's mighty. His power is unmatched. He is in control of all things. Nothing can happen apart from his sovereign decree. Parents, listen, you need to hear that this morning. This baby is the mighty God, and he sees your family situation, and he is able to work miracles in it. He is the mighty God. Isaiah says next that this child would be the everlasting father. Again, tying him to God the Father. Friends, God is full of love and full of affection for his people. We, through the gospel, we we belong to him, not, not as slaves, but as children. We belong to him as those that he delights in, like a dad loves to play with his kids. So friend, listen, are you lonely? Are you fearful this morning or fearful this this season? Has 2020 made you feel your loneliness more than ever before? Are you tired of, of isolation? Your heavenly father is with you. He is protecting you. He is caring for you, guiding you, directing you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's who this child is. He came to bear your burdens. Isaiah then says that this child would be the prince of peace. His reign in our lives will be marked by peace. Peace speaks of of wholeness, completeness, Again, John Calvin says this about this this title of Prince of Peace. He says, this is the last title, and the prophet declares by it that the coming of Christ will be the cause of full and perfect happiness, or at least of calm and blessed safety. That's who we are in Christ. Church, what comfort that is for us this Christmas season. This is who we are following. This holiday, we can end our year not anxious or worked up about what has or has not happened in 2020. We can rest because Jesus came as a baby to bear our burdens for us. He loves us and he is eager to, to care for us. Listen to what Ray Ortland says. He says, look at Jesus, friends. Look at Jesus. As the wonderful counselor, he has the best ideas and strategies. Let's follow him. As the mighty God, he defeats his enemies easily. Let's hide behind him. As the everlasting father, he loves us endlessly. Let's enjoy him. As the prince of peace, he reconciles us who who are still his enemies. Let's welcome his dominion. This is the reign of Christ. Freddie wants to carry your burdens this morning. 
And friends, we need to notice two more things as we close. We need to notice how long his reign will last, and we need to notice the zeal with which he will accomplish all these things. First of all, notice with me how it says that his reign will last forever. Verse 7. His reign will go on and on. It's not going to come to an end. 2020 feels like it's gone on forever, but it's going to come to an end. But the reign of Christ is longer. It is eternal. And so no matter what happens here and now, we can rest in him because the pain of this life will not be eternal. Second of all, notice that this verse 7 says that it is the zeal of the Lord that will do these things. This word zeal speaks of passion. It speaks of fervency, even, even jealousy. The, this word can be used to speak of a, of a husband who is, who is jealous for the good of his wife. Folks, God is jealous for your good. He is eager, passionate, committed to it. Sometimes I think we can look at all these wonderful words to describe Jesus and we can think, that's great. But maybe he's that a little begrudgingly towards us. Not so, not the case. He is zealous for our good. His zeal will bring about all of this in our lives. And so as this year comes to a close, church, let's run to Jesus together. Let's worship him for the great things that he has done. Let's live in the goodness of his strength. Let's allow his victory over sin and death to be our victory this morning. Let's follow him. Let's enjoy him. Let's celebrate him. Let's rest in him. He was born into this world to save you and to bear your burdens for you. Let's praise him for the great things that he has done. Amen.